the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Owner and corner office CEO. We are the Biz 1440. KYCR Golden Valley, Minneapolis, St. Paul. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, a top Republican presidential prospect, has signed into law one of the nation's toughest abortions ban, abortion bans. It would outlaw termination of a pregnancy after six weeks. Meanwhile, DeSantis was joined on stage by some uninvited guests last night during an event. The governor was speaking in New Hampshire when two female protesters charged the stage chanting Jews against DeSantis. DeSantis was unfazed and responded by saying, quote, you got to have a little spice in the speech. You got to have a little fun. Why you'd want to pay the ticket just to get in to do that? I don't know, but different strokes for different folks, end quote. DeSantis has yet to announce a 2024 Republican presidential bid. The event was the New Hampshire GOP's largest fundraising dinner of the year. And that report from correspondent Tasha Stevens. you find more of these stories at SRNews.com. Over-the-counter hearing aids are a new class of hearing devices regulated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and an option for adults 18 and over with perceived mild to moderate hearing loss. Get your hearing tested by an audiologist or hearing instrument dispenser. A tip sheet and shopping checklist is available on the Hearing Loss Association of America's website. Paid for by the Minnesota Commission of the Deaf, Deafblind, and Hard of Hearing, the Minnesota Broadcasters Association, and this station. Jim and I knew of Robbinsdale Women's Center, but didn't really know them until we toured. We were astonished by the amazing facilities and the genuine love and care the staff showed each woman that walked through the doors. That tour began our partnership with Robbinsdale Women's Center. Cindy and I have witnessed RWC's fiscal stewardship of our financial gifts. Being on the board has allowed me to see the careful discernment and prayerful thought that goes into every decision at Robbinsdale Women's Center. RWC receives no government funding and is debt-free. RWC owns all their assets and is 100% donor-supported. We're amazed at the number of abortion-minded women they serve. Weekly, five women, initially at risk of aborting their pregnancies, instead choose life. Join Cindy and I in supporting Robbinsdale Women's Center. Your gift will bring hope and life. Go to rwcinfo.org and help more mothers choose life. Let's make a difference. rwcinfo.org. The Ramsey Show. I found a job that's very rewarding, but they're going to work me like a dog. It's a 70-hour work week. 70 hours a week. Man's not, woman's not created to work like that. Indefinite? Yeah, that's an indefinite situation. You married? I am not married. You won't be. Yeah. You could do it for a short term. Don't sell out for something that just looks good. It's got to be good in all aspects. Break free from debt with The Ramsey Show. Weekday afternoons, 1 to 4. Portions of this program may have been pre-recorded. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Is it his time? 
Where's your hat? Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. It's the King Banyan Show, your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. Oh, God, that's all I need. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Let's go while we're young. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. Welcome back, King Bang, show the Biz 1440. Thank you so much for listening today. Kind of a gloomy-looking day out there. But wasn't that a week? My gosh, the weather was so good. Uh, who was telling me they... Uh, someone was telling me last night they were... They were sitting on their back deck uh, in shorts, drinking lemonade, with snowbanks on either side of their deck. That's Minnesota in April. That's why we live here. You know, it's so fun. 651-289-4477, number to call with questions and comments. 651-289-4477. So I can't just do one bit of the data. I have to actually give you two other data points. I wanted to really talk about inflation and focus on that. But then there were two data points that came out uh, yesterday, that uh, on Friday, that would have given you some reason to go, hmm, what's going on? One of them, of course, the retail sales data. Um, and you have to remember, first of all, retail sales is not seasonally, is not inflation adjusted. They will always give you, uh, they will always give you the nominal number. Two things: retail sales is is primarily sales of goods. It is not services. Um, so what went down? Gas stations. Department stores, department store sales, automobiles. We were just saying in the last hour about, you know, you know, by multi-shoring or bringing or unshoring or reshoring of production from fragile places like, say, China or Vietnam and bringing them back to the United States, prices jump up and people are buying less stuff. Okay, so retail sales year over year was only up 2.9%. That's the slowest gain on the annualized number, on the annual number since June of 2020. Um, Two points to make about that. Core sales, okay, and, and if you're trying to do an estimate of GDP, you typically will take the core number, meaning you're going to pull out automobiles, you're going to pull out building materials, you're going to pull out the gas station numbers. That was down two tenths of one percent in March. That is still down, and it's it's still significant. But if I look at that on a year, you know, if I look at that data, the thing I have to remember is the January number was huge, right? You had a big increase up in increase up in January versus December, then a flattish February, and then slightly down March. That still means, in my mind, that first quarter GDP numbers, when they get announced in about two weeks from now, about ten days from now, will be probably pretty positive. You can expect a GDP number somewhere between one and a half and two and a half percent for the first quarter. Now, if you take that number and then you look at what the Federal Reserve is saying as their 
2023 GDP forecast as a whole saying that it's going to grow about 1% over the entire year. If it grows 2% in the first quarter, you have to have pretty much a zero, you know, zero to 0.5% growth the rest of the year. That's why many people are saying the Fed is expecting a mild recession because of what it said about what they think GDP will do for the entirety of 23 and what we all believe is going to happen in the first quarter of 23. These data would have let you think perhaps those forecasts are wrong, but if you looked at uh, the Atlanta Fed's nowcast, if you looked at uh, um, publicly available forecasts from Bank of America, from Goldman Sachs, I've looked at a couple others, pretty much all of them are, are 2% plus or minus a half. Um, that is that is sort of where my and that's where my head is at is should be a, maybe a one handle but more likely a two handle okay and 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 that that would seem fine the retail sales data would have made you think mm, things are 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 bad but the other thing to point out is the industrial production data came in and it was actually much better than people expected um, and you had not only a positive number for, you only, you not only had a positive number for, uh, for March, you had revisions to January and February. Here's the catch to that. Most of that increase in March is due to utilities being produced. Okay. And utilities production and industrial production is part of the count for industrial production. And it's highly dependent on what the weather is. So lots of storms in March of, of 2023 could influence the report on March industrial production. If I looked at the manufacturing sector, I get a half percent decline. Um, automobiles declining one half percent. Non-auto manufacturing inc- de- decreasing by, uh, by about, about half a percent as well. Um, so I just don't see manufacturing still, I, 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 you don't, you don't see that there. The third element in that number is mining. Mining was also down half a percent. So I'm very interested in seeing whether or not, and this is the one caution to me about what's happening with, with the GDP numbers for quarter two. Will OPEC's decision or the countries in OPEC's decision that we discussed last week, um, will that with, with, with Pete Earl, will that, will that actually cause American producers to, to mine more, particularly mining for oil, for shale? Will that increase in, in the second quarter? If it does, if it does, that actually could make the GDP forecast most people have for the entirety of 23 a little bit off. Because basically what, what happens in that case is Saudi Arabia and, and the Emirates decide to produce less oil. And the Americans are like, yeah, we'll, we'll backfill that. We'll export our oil instead. That's cool. I don't think that's going to happen for a number of reasons. Uh, 
be, partly because their lenders are worried that they're that the shale producers are going to overextend. Interest rates being higher cause short-term headaches for shale producers. I actually don't think that's going to happen, but it's something to watch. So if I take those two pieces of data and, and add them up to with some of the other things that you're seeing, for example, the non-manufacturing index for ISM, which uh, dropped down, it's still positive, but it wasn't as positive as it had been before. Uh, that number was announced actually back back on the 5th. It was announced uh, 10 days ago. But as I look at those data, I think I still think that that 1.5% to 2.5% GDP number is accurate uh, and, and that that's going to create um, – that, that creates significant issues. But I will say I don't put as much stock in the retail sales data telling me as much as I think, as I think people want to believe. If I look there, uh, um, food, food sales were down by a f- whole lot. But, but as I take out autos and gas and food services and material, I look and see that actually um, retail sales, because retail sales are probably on a, on a inflation-adjusted basis, probably flat to slightly down. But that's after this huge jump. Uh, the retail sales number, X gas and, 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 and autos and food and all that was up over 2.5%. You haven't given up all of those gains. You've just given up a little bit of it. And I, that's, why I, that's why I think the GDP numbers are going to be just fine. Look, let me take a break here. When we come back, I want to play for you some of what we heard from some of the Fed officials. I want to get people past this notion that somehow the Fed might choose to pivot away from, pivot away from rate increases uh, in its meeting in a few weeks. We'll be back after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. Soaking up the sun in Fiji, walking through the Sculpture Garden in Minneapolis, or standing in awe at the Grand Canyon. We're where you are. Listen to The Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Did you know you were kicking in your mommy's tummy before you were born? We were? Yep. I just learned at school that babies move and kick before they're even born. No No wonder we're so good at soccer. That's right, kids. A pre-born baby is moving about and even kicking just 14 weeks from conception. Hello, my name is Marianne Koharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of information and alternatives to abortion, or you'd like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America... Please call 1-800-366-7773, 1-800-366-7773, or visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across America. 
Can your IRA stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is at our doorsteps? By allocating a percentage of your IRA into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from turbulent markets and economic downturns by putting your IRA back on the gold standard. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Call now for your free gold and silver report. Protect your IRA today with one simple phone call and learn how to qualify for up to $10,000 in free silver. Call Genesis Gold Group, empowering faith-driven stewardship. 800-504-1123. You need to call the police and you need to call your father. And you need to get you and your son away from this guy. We're going to remove the trespasser. I want to fix it. That's why I want to my home and I just want to be no, able to No, 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 hon, honey. We don't need to call a realtor. We need to get the boyfriend out of the house and that's going to involve the police. You and your son are in danger. You have to get away from this guy. Listen, you are worth being okay. Direct, honest, helpful. The Ramsey Show, live on the Biz 1440, weekdays 1 to 4. The Ramsey Show. And your husband's going to step up and get a backbone and deal with this because you're going to end up really further pissed at him if you don't. Yeah, you're going to end up losing your marriage over this. The Ramsey Show, live every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4. Welcome back. King Bang Show, the Biz 1440. Thank you for listening today. Good to be with you. 651-289-4477 with questions and comments. 651-289-4477. Yes, Don, that, that retraction watch site is a good one. Um, I may have to send out a couple of links to help you understand that. Uh, understand that and maybe a, maybe a podcast or two that I like on the replication crisis. Uh, anyway, I wanted to play a couple a couple of our Fed governors and presidents for you next because I am this is I am seeing some things and I really wanted to play this first one. This actually happened, I believe, and I need to open this up just so I can make sure that I can remember when this happened. This I believe this was at the uh, at the uh, Economics Club of Chicago. Back on uh, back on um, on Tuesday of this week, uh, Austin Goolsby, who's brand new to to his role, he's the president of the, of the Chicago Fed, had been an advisor to uh, President Obama, um, and I, I would argue there's there's this in, this guy actually is a very good economist. Okay, do we agree? Do I agree with his politics? No, but he's he's good at, he's good at uh, understanding economics. <clears throat> there were a lot of stories popping up in my Twitter feed Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday regarding his a statement he made that made people think, "Oh, he's looking to pause rate hikes. He's looking to pause them." Listen to this. He's, everyone's like, and so I listened to it, 
And I don't think it says what they think it says. Let's play this. This should be cut number one. Why I think that at moments of financial stress like this, the right monetary policy is really caution and watchfulness and prudence. And I don't say that because I think we should stop prioritizing the fight against inflation just because markets got upset. That is a perspective that, that I call financial dominance, which holds that financial issues are more important and they should dominate monetary policy concerns when, when they conflict. There are people who believe that, who believe that those financial conditions should drive Fed action, but I absolutely don't. I'm not sure how much clearer he could be. I mean, I mean, people heard the first 10 seconds of it. Guess, Spencer, guess what? I think we're going to just play this a second time, and I'm going to have you stop because I'm going to tell you the point at which I'm going to say stop at the point at which the quotes that I was reading in the newspaper stopped quoting him. So let's restart it, and I'll say stop where I get to that point. Why I think that at moments of financial stress like this, the right monetary policy is really caution and watchfulness and prudence. Stop. And I don't. Prudence was the last word. And it was like, see, he's open. He wants to stop. He doesn't want to raise rates. He doesn't want to raise rates. Okay. Play the rest of the clip again watchfulness and prudence and i don't say that because i think we should stop prioritizing the fight against inflation just because markets got upset that is a perspective that that i call financial dominance which holds that financial dominance he's calling out he's saying i know what you guys are doing you're trying to say we're gonna the banks are going to lay on the floor and pout and pound their fists into the into the into the carpet and hold their breath until you stop raising rates. And what does he have to say to that? Finish the clip. Financial issues are more important and they should dominate monetary policy concerns when when they conflict. There are people who believe that, who believe that those financial conditions should drive Fed action, but I absolutely don't. Now, you might say he's fibbing. He doesn't mean it. That the fact that he's calling it out means that he's ready to he's ready to buckle his knees and 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 give the banks what they want in lower rates. Um I don't think so. I don't think that's what he's saying. Not at all. Mary Daly, president of the of the uh, of the San Francisco Fed. San Francisco Fed has a fairly large um, has a very large uh, district because those boundaries were drew, were drawn up back in twenty excuse me in nineteen thirteen. Um, those have never changed. And of course, all the population moved out to the west came largely after, during the uh, during the Great Depression, then after World War II. So it, the San Francisco Fed, I think I'm right on this. I think by certainly by geographic area, but I believe by population, 
actually is the largest of the feds. So Mary Daly's kind of an important kind of is 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 important in this. So so uh she spoke up in Salt Lake City, which is part of her district, uh to their to the to the Chamber of Commerce in Salt Lake. And she had a couple things to say about this question as well. Let's first play cut number two. We have taken aggressive action over the past year, moving the federal funds rate from near zero to between 4.75 and 5% as as of our March meeting, the last meeting we had. And these actions we have taken have been warranted and consistent with our commitment to restore price stability. While the full impact of all this tightening we've done, which has been pretty rapid, is still making its way through the economy and the system, the strength of the economy and the elevated readings on inflation suggest that there is more work to do. More work to do. And if you look, I tweet, if you're following along uh, on Twitter, I tweeted out the uh, chart to you uh, from, from the uh, Countdown to FOMC website at uh, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. And you can see that, that uh, back in early March, there was a 60% probability that rates would be raised all the way to five and a quarter to five and a half percent at the May meeting. And you can see that almost immediately that went to zero. And there was a belief that rates would be rates would go instead to uh, a, instead to a rate around um, around four and three quarters to it stay at stay at the current rate of four and three quarters to five percent. But if you're looking at that graphic, please look at that purple line. That tells you the rate at the the rate the the probability that we would get a rate increase that is um, 25 basis points higher at the May 3 meeting. It should be pretty evident that that thing has been on a rocket ship up all the you know after dropping to approximately 50% it being a 50-50 proposition we're now at it being a 70 being about a 75 and I think the current number is hang on where's where's that screen uh I think that current number is at 78 at, yeah, it's seventy-eight percent, with a twenty-two percent chance that it's going to be at uh, that. It's not that they wouldn't change. The market's still trying to call it out, and I say good on Daly and Goolsby for saying, "Yeah, that's fiscal dominance." And no banks, we're not we're not going to give you what you want there. Uh, Daly went on with uh, one more comment. Let's play this cut three. So looking ahead. There are good reasons to think that policy may have to tighten more to bring inflation down. But there are also good reasons to think that the economy may continue to slow, even without additional policy adjustments. So she's saying, look, it's possible we might not, but she's saying there's still a good case. I mean, they, they, are actually, they actually have probably done a fairly reasonable job of selling you on the case that there's something called data data dependence. So rather than fiscal dominance, they're saying, no, 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 we're just watching the data, reading the data, trying to make sure we understand what it is, we're, what, what we think the data are telling us, and we're going to depend on that. I think Goolsby was actually, it's funny because Goolsby got quoted in the, in the press as if he was the guy leading the charge to not raise rates. After I listen to this, I think Daly is a little more 
open to not raising rates than Goolsby. But even she seems to say, hey, we probably have more to do. We're probably not done yet. Um, and so then yesterday, um, Chris Waller, who is, again, I, if you think about a, a very oversimplified uh, um, scale, a, a line on which you place the attitudes about inflation of the of the current 18 president and governors, okay, and you thought about them, and you had most hawkish, most anti-inflation on one end, least anti-inflation on the other end. Chris Waller, who's a governor, one of the seven governors in D.C., would probably be one of the two or three most on the hawk side of the argument. Um, he was speaking uh, on. He was speaking on. Uh, on. I'm trying. I'm trying to remember where where he was at. Um, I don't know the name of this this conference he was at, but um, off, but he gave he gave a speech and he he offered this. This is cut four. Despite some encouraging news on a slowing in housing cost, core inflation does not show much improvement and remains far above our two percent target. Whether you measure inflation using CPI or the Fed's preferred measure of personal consumption expenditures or PCE. It is still much too high, and so my job is not done. I interpret these data as indicating that we haven't made much progress on our inflation goal, which leaves me at about the same place on the economic outlook that I was at the last FOMC meeting and on the same path for monetary policy. I should remind people that, that for December 23, what he's referring to in, in, you know, on the same path and such is he's talking about the statement of economic projections or the dot plot, right? Ten of the 18 people, uh, the median number, place themselves at five to five and a quarter as where they think the rate will be in December of 2023. In December of 2023. Seven of them are actually located above that, that particular piece. Let me go back and... I gotta go. Let me go grab that. Um, let me go grab that. That again. I've got uh, three of them at one. Three of them have two rate hikes between now and the end of twenty-three. Three others have three rate hikes, seventy-five basis points from here. Only one of the eighteen people back in March said that the rate would said that the rate at the end of twenty twenty-three would be at the current range of four and three quarters to five percent. One of them's actually all the way out to five and three quarters to six percent. I won't speculate on who that is. I I have guesses, uh, but I like I won't speculate on what that is. They and then what is fascinating is if you look at the dot plot for what for twenty twenty four, it is truly just there the 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 range of guesses are all over the place i find this on the web but i think you have to assume to yourself that the fed is going to raise rates the fed is going to raise rates the fed is going to raise rates at its next meeting and then on the current projection you won't get another statement of economic projections until until the meeting at the in the late June, you have to assume 
that they are they are probably committed to staying there at least through the end of the year. The only thing that changed was the path by which they were getting to this piece here. Waller clearly is in that camp that's either at the at the two steps or three steps. Uh, my, I actually don't think he's the four step guy. I think I, I think that's uh, someone he used to work with. Um, but that's that's the most likely outcome at that meeting. And understand, the only data you will have between here and the Fed meeting, you will not have April unemployment because that won't come in until the Friday after their meeting. What you will have is the first quarter GDP numbers will come out, the first quarter for P or and the March personal consumption expenditure price index, the preferred inflation measure. So they will have a GDP measure and an inflation measure and some other smaller stuff too. I want to, my point being, I think it's baked in the cake. I think this rate increase at this point is baked into the cake, and I don't understand. In fact, I don't understand anyone who's participating in that futures market who's still out there betting on betting on uh, no rate hike. To me, that bet is saying some very bad thing's going to happen. Okay, it might be an interesting way to bet that some bank's going to blow up in the next three weeks that causes them to stop. That's possible. Okay, but that's about the only reason that only way in which to me that that particular investment would make any sense. We'll be back right after this. You are listening to the King Banyan Show on the Biz fourteen forty. Make him the cutest that I've ever seen. Give him two lips like roses. Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're looking outside of big corporate control. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something worth watching. The new Salem News Channel. Straightforward, unfiltered, in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. SNC is home to Dennis Prager, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Watch anytime on any screen, free 24-7. Find what you're looking for at snc.tv. If you have ever thought about remodeling your bathroom but were worried it would take too long or cost too much, then stop worrying. Right now, Jacuzzi Bath Remodel has designed a collection of high-quality custom products and perfected the one-day remodeling experience so you can enjoy your new bathroom faster than ever before. It's a worry-free bath remodel from the most trusted brand name in the business, Jacuzzi. For a virtual or in-home appointment, call 800-826-9895. That's 800-826-9895. 800-826-9895. The Ramsey Show. I don't want to be the little pig in the straw house anymore. I'm going to get my crap together. I'm going to get out of debt and have an emergency fund. I'm going to be the little pig in the brick house so when the wolf comes and blows, I don't have credit card debt. I don't have student loan debt. I don't have car payments. I'm under control and I got a pile of money. You know what would happen? The economy would collapse. No, it wouldn't. The economy would boom. No nonsense financial talk. Weekday afternoons from 1 to 4 here on The Biz 1440. Whether a lazy weekend spent up north enjoying Minnesota lake life, finding your favorite Juicy Lucy, or attending a music festival in the city, discovering bands that become the soundtrack of your summer, it is these precious fleeting moments experienced together that shape us and make us who we are. Plan your dream vacation at exploreminnesota.com. Sponsored by Explore Minnesota Tourism. Aired by the Minnesota Broadcasters Association and this station. Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment 
to defend the American way of life. Since 1775, we have served our nation as a force in readiness. From combat operations to humanitarian assistance in every corner of the world. No matter where the mission takes us today or wherever our country needs us tomorrow, we always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for each other, for our nation, for us all, the few, the proud, the Marines. Show the biz fourteen forty six five one two eight nine four four seven seven. The number to call questions and comments two five one six five one two eight nine four four seven seven. Thanks so much for listening. Um, I I should be careful, right? I should be careful to make sure that I haven't oversold the case that the Fed will raise rates. The market is betting that way, as we just described. What could change their mind, right? And I think I put my finger on what I think is the one thing. A, another bank goes, goes kerflui on us somewhere over the next few weeks. I didn't, could not find the right way to pull pieces out of the interview. There is a fantastic, I'll just encourage you. In fact, I'll, I'll see if I can find the YouTube clip and send it to you. It's about a nine-minute interview with Luigi Zingales. Uh, from the uh, Booth School of Business at uh, the University of Chicago. Uh, I am a big fan of uh, Zingales' work. I think he's brilliant. Um, he's not a, uh, he's not sort of a traditional, you know, uh, someone that shows up on, on more conservative shows. I, but uh, he does have a free market economics feel, but he also has a, has a deep, um, skepticism of unbridled uh, unbridled entrepreneurship uh, and, and 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 the way capitalism is working today indeed he has a he has a podcast that I would call that is titled capital isn't um, whether there are features in the modern economy that we call capitalism but really aren't and he's convincing that there are some things that we we sort of accept as being part of the uh, the landscape of of the American enterprise experience that are almost anti-capitalistic in in, in their form um, and 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 worth considering. I do think at his point, his major point in that in that piece, I'll I'll try to remember to send it to you at the next break, is that is that the banks have simply become so addicted and so used to interest rates at 2% that they can't adjust to 4 quickly enough. We've talked about the fact that that um, that according to FDIC, the insured ba- the banks that they insure um, had unrealized losses on their books of over 600 billion dollars from the Fed rate hike cycle. Some of which is being burnt off, but in little bits, dribs and drabs, okay? We Right and and how do 
how do I say that? How do I know that? Well, in part because we know that the that FDIC has spent about twenty two to twenty three billion dollars just cleaning up Silicon Valley and signature banks. Um, we know that that Silicon Valley had to take a loss of $1.8 billion on a piece of its portfolio that sold off that ended up being the canary in the coal mine that told uh, told uninsured depositors to run for the hills. Um, can that happen again? Could one of those banks get to, get to a point where they all of a sudden look weak, they get run, and, and all of a sudden... Um, we see more Janet Yellen. We see more of the FDIC on television and another statement of a workaround dodging around the Dodd-Frank restrictions. Yeah, that's possible. Can't say it's not. Okay, is it likely? I don't know. My, my feeling is this. Market investors are very good at picking up the last trend. So as soon and the last trade. So as soon as Silicon Valley started to wobble, investors were pouring through the spreadsheets and, and, and call reports and so forth for every other bank that might be similar to Silicon Valley. Stress testing them, taking small positions to short their stocks. Uh, and and so forth. <clears throat> I think that having been out there a month, I don't believe that this market is going to. Um, I don't believe that a bank that's out there that really is in deep trouble wouldn't have been exposed by now. And yes, there's still there's still concerns about for, there's still concerns about some of the, some regional banks. We know First Republic ran into issues. Credit Suisse is a different is a different cat, okay? As I've said on the show before here on the King Banyan show before on, on the Biz fourteen forty. Credit Suisse is, is is a thing to itself. Um, its problems were well documented. And Credit Suisse led to some further scrutiny of what's going on at Deutsche Bank. And they had a little bit of a wobble, but they seem to be okay for now. But that for now is important. As we said, we said a few weeks ago, and I'm going to remind people periodically, we won't know that Silicon Valley was a one-off event and something we didn't have to pay a lot of attention to until about a year from now. And, and for the time being, if you've got a position like Zingales or someone else that the banks are in big trouble, that is catnip for Bloomberg. That is... That, that is you know, that is an absolute sugar cookie for CNBC. They will jump at it. They will put you on the air and give you all kinds of attention. My, I say, we simply don't know. The wisest comment I've heard on this came from Larry Summers some weeks ago when we first heard about Silicon Valley. And, and I actually remember we were talking with Vern McKinley about uh, something said by... Uh, Sheila Bear, who was the head of the FDIC back in chair of the FDIC back in 2008 and 9 and 10. And and the point there was was there was six months 
between the fall of Bear Stearns and the Lehman moment. And so when people jump from Silicon Valley to Lehman, I think they make a mistake. And Summer, Larry Summers made this point, I thought, really well. Silicon Valley is probably more of a Bear Stearns moment where all of a sudden we're like, oh, wait, this is a real problem. But you can actually go back further. You can go back to Washington Mutual. You can go back to IndyMac. Banks that were failing a full year before Lehman. There's a long way to go in this. But I'll remind you of one more thing that, that Summers pointed out, either in that interview or another one. The Fed continued to raise rates through this process. The Fed continued to cause rates to go up, right, through this process. Through the process in 2008. It didn't pivot to go to zero until September. Right? It didn't pivot down interest rates and and drop them dramatically until September. You could look it up. There are charts. There's a chart you can go get to tell you that. So we won't know, I think, for a year whether this was really an isolated incident or if it turns out someone like someone like Zingales is right, because I will say this much. I don't think you will end up with, with Treasury securities back in the twos for some time to come. I don't think you're going to end up with mortgage rates below 5% for the foreseeable future. I'm a little less I'm a little less convinced of the point Larry Fink made that we played before that uh, inflation is going to stay in the fours, that four is the floor. I don't think four is the floor. I think the floor is, if I'm looking at year-ahead inflation expectations of businesses uh, from the Atlanta Fed, that number's at 2.8%. That's closer to where I am. It's not two, and I still think they've got a ways to go. But I think, I think, Pretty soon they'll be on top. They'll have a Fed funds rate on top of the inflation rate, and they'll start to push that that business expectation down to two percent. And I think the Fed. I think you know, I think uh, U.S. Treasuries, ten-year Treasuries, move back back down toward three point zero rather than heading closer to four. Okay, but I, but it could all turn around a lot faster if it turns out another bank goes bust. Got to be sure that you're saying what the risk is that at this moment is the biggest risk i got one more risk for you and we'll talk about that right after this you're listening to the king banging show on the biz 1440 the biz 1440 kycr golden valley The basics about financial literacy provides confidence in your investing decisions. Knowledge to make better decisions with or without an advisor empowers you to take control of your financial future. With the right skills, you are the best steward of your own money. Learn more today at a free in-center or virtual investing class at Online Trading Academy. 952-814-4410. Again, 952-814-4410. Or go to learnwithota.com. 
Dr. Gorka here, and I want to talk to you for a minute about 100% drug-free Relief Factor. I've been taking Relief Factor for years now to help me deal with pain in my body. My wife takes it as well. The reason we tell everyone uh, we know about it is simple. We found it really works to help our bodies fight off the inflammation that causes aches and pains. Whether it's the pain of injuries you've sustained or just the natural pains from the mileage over the years, Relief Factor can help. I've never looked back. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it works for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Feel the difference. I was nine weeks along and didn't know what else to do. I felt helpless, and I didn't want to leave it up to her, but I didn't know what to do or say. I didn't know there were other options available. I didn't know it was a baby with a beating heart at 18 days. Hello, my name is Marianne Koharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America, the Billboard people. So often we get calls just like this from men and women seeking help and alternatives. Our 800 hotline connects callers to the services they need for pregnancy, adoption, as well as post-abortion assistance. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of confidential counseling or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please call 1-800-366-7773 or check us out on the web, prolifeacrossamerica.com. Pro-Life Across America is educational, non-political, and tax-deductible. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across America, $40,000? Yes. To fix up your house. You're millionaires! Yes! <laughs> You had to call me about $40,000 when you have when you have almost $2 million? The Ramsey Show, live every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4. Sightseeing in Ferris, at the Mall in Bloomington, or on horseback in Dallas. We're where you are. Listen to The Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Show. The Biz 1440. Thank you for listening today. 651 289 4477. The number to call. Questions, comments, cheers, and jeers, uh, and so forth. That's, I was reading a couple other things this week that I thought were interesting. One of them was uh, every Monday morning, uh, Brian Westbury and Robert Stein at uh, First Trust Portfolios puts out a uh, puts out sort of a, a mini newsletter. And the one this week was talking about the situation of the abundant reserve system. When I was teaching money in banking, I would always teach a system in which, you know, I would teach a, a, a concept called the money multiplier. It takes, it takes how the money supply relates to the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve. Right. Um, and... And part of that description was using a multiplier number that in no small part depended on a fraction that was the fraction of the banks of banks' excess reserves, reserves above what they were statutorily, not statutorily, but regulated to hold, 
Okay, so banks were required to hold a certain amount of their deposits at the Federal Reserve, and then they were told, if you want to hold more, you can. Up to 2008, you were only you you didn't get anything for that money. You just left it there. So typically, the bank tried to minimize the amount of money it had at the central at the Fed, and tried to lend out most of the excess. And that lending process is what leads to the creation of money. Long story. I don't have time for in the five and a half minutes I have left today. What instead they, but in 2008, during the, in the bill that passed the TARP to get us out of the great financial crisis, that was intended to get us out of the great financial crisis, the Fed asked for and received power to pay, pay banks interest on excess reserves they're holding at the central bank. So it said, it basically told those banks, you can invest your money with us, you can leave it here, and we'll pay you a little interest on that money, which they had never done before. In fact, they were not permitted to do before. They changed that rule in 2008. Banks now hold trillions of dollars in excess reserves, far above what they're required to. Why? Because they can receive money on it. All right? So... So when you move to this abundant reserve system, the Fed's balance sheet, uh, the Fed's balance sheet, instead of being about uh, 11% of bank deposits, is now 40% of bank deposits. Um, they were, and what the Fed would do would be like, yep, send your accessories, we'll send you some money, but we're going to go out and we're going to buy treasuries, and mortgage-backed securities through our quantitative easing process. And then, and we'll just, and, and effectively, they became a bank that, like any other bank, they were making money on that margin, on that difference between what they were paying on, on treasuries and mortgage-backed securities and what they were paying the banks on in terms of interest. But the Fed, in 2022, got out, got out of bank balance and it is actually right at this moment paying 4.9% to banks. They're paying 4.9% to banks for their deposits, their excess reserves. And so uh, Westbury and Stein are arguing, okay, if you look for the full year of 2022, I'm quoting them now. The Fed generated $170.1 billion of interest income. They paid $102.4 billion in interest expenses. So the difference between that, uh, the, the difference between that, uh, if you for the full year 22, the Fed generated $170.67.8 so billion. So they paid their own operating expenses and set about $60 billion to the Treasury. And that's always been their case. They remit money back to the Treasury because they say, we're collecting interest on your bonds, on bonds. You send us money. We'll use it to pay our salaries and, and other things. And then we send the rest of the money back to you. But in the third quarter uh, that uh, the Fed earned $39.4 billion in interest income but had $54 billion in interest expenses, so they lost $15 billion. When we get the data for in June for the first quarter, the Fed will actually have a bigger loss. So the Fed has two problems. One, it has a, a it has 
If you had them to mark to market all the securities on their balance sheet, they would be in a hole for $1.1 trillion. That's, that's fine, but the Fed doesn't have to mark to market, so that doesn't really matter. Westbury and Stein point out there's a second problem, which is the Fed is now not sending money back to the Treasury. It's losing money on an ongoing basis. We don't know that that we don't know um, how they're paying salaries and their expenses and how they're paying interest to the banks. Right? They're we think they're doing it through reverse repurchase agreements. What? So here's my question: What happens if the Fed all of a sudden says, "You know, we have to stop paying this interest so much," and they drop rates dramatically? Remember, banks are making money from the Fed because the Fed's paying interest on excess reserves. Suppose the Fed says, we can't do this anymore, we're dropping those rates. What happens to the banks? That's the place, that's the conversation that I think will lead to a very big, very big um, debate and may cause banks, may cause the Federal Reserve to get itself in hot water and I think get uh, get the banks in trouble. That's kind of the one thing I'm watching. I'm actually not watching so much international markets. I'm not paying much attention to Saudi Arabia and China right at this moment. I just don't think that's that big a deal. But I do think what's happening here with the Fed being stuck paying interest on deposits that is greater than they're able to receive an interest income, I think they've got a real problem there. And they haven't solved it yet. I'll tweet this place to you in just a moment. Hey, thank you for listening today. Thank you, Spencer, for your work down there. Um, next week, well, well, we'll see what happens. Not much in economic data. We're sort of waiting for two to three weeks from now. But we'll, we'll come up with something for you here on the King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. Have you filed for disability benefits but were denied by the Social Security Administration? Or do you need to apply and are overwhelmed with paperwork? Are you between the ages of 50 and 63 and can no longer work because of an illness or injury? Thousands of hardworking Americans are in your situation. They file for disability benefits and are unnecessarily denied their much-needed benefit check. Call now for a no-obligation, free evaluation. We can help you nearly double your chances of approval and get your benefit checks faster. We understand the physical, emotional, and financial impact. We'll share our insider expertise and help you get your disability claim filed and paid immediately. There is a time limit to apply, so call right now. Operators are standing by to help you. 800-296-1553. 800-296-1553. That's 800-296-1553. What's your favorite high school sports memory? A late-inning rally? A game-winning shot, a photo finish? Maybe it's a pep rally or a pregame ritual. Maybe it's the euphoria of a late-night bus ride home after a hard-fought win. Maybe it's having pizza with teammates after the game. Now, imagine if it never happened at all. School sports need your help. With budgets getting tighter, it's more than the games that are on the line. It's all the traditions, the community pride, the culture of your hometown high school, plus all those memories that are on the line, too. What can you do? It's simple. Buy a ticket when you can. Go to a game. Take the whole family. Let's do everything we can to keep those cherished school sports memories alive. 
This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. We noticed we had a leak in our roof. Hey, I'm Brenda from Stillwater, Minnesota. We noticed some water staining in our ceiling by our chimney. This is our first time working with JTR Roofing. A close friend had recommended them and had a great experience. They ended up replacing our roof and performed the work on our chimney. I would recommend JTR Roofing because they were reliable, friendly, there were no hidden costs in their quotes, and the craftsmanship was outstanding. Not only did they do an outstanding job on our home, but also they support the community. They've had a good reputation in the 30 years that they've been in business. And just overall, it was just a wonderful experience working with the company. I was absolutely satisfied with the work. Absolutely. We're thinking about having our windows replaced and we will be calling JTR. Go to JTRRoofingInc.com. That's JTRRoofingInc.com. Your exclusive Twin City. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.